45 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them up the line. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Well, I better turn the mic on. Yo! <laughs> well, what's up? I think I'll stop the Periscope and start it all over again. And I got to get the right title on there. It's Monday. Little things fall through the cracks on Mondays. Yeah, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. <laughs> what's up in the Farm Bureau studio? It is a reaction Monday in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, Go! With the home team, that worked out because I was typing, let's go, just like that at the same time. I need to I need to be typing what I'm saying in order for it to all work. <laughs> so we'll welcome in the folks on Periscope in a bit. Welcome in on this Monday show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio, connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired at C Spire. Now, you can be a part of the show lots of different ways. I'll tell you how to do that coming up here in the studio. You can uh, text, you can call, you can uh, tweet, tweetly diddly dee. Feel free to tweet away. Hey to everybody on Facebook. What's up, Tommy, Junior, Richard, everybody who's uh, tuning in. Uh, we'll do our best to bring it today. Richard, we'll do our best. Yeah, Tommy says, cooler weather finally. Hallelujah. Huh? Whew. I, you look, and I know it's supposed to warm back up into the 80s later in the week, but who cares, right? If we're getting lows in the 50s, 60s, we can handle it. We can handle the rest of it. And uh, today, after this front came through, I don't know about where you are, but where I am in North Mississippi, it is super duper. Like, I, I, I it's as crazy as it sounds. I genuinely walked out this morning and thought, man, I need to take these shorts off, go put some pants on. I really did think that. Now, I didn't do it. I, I don't mean that I I had shorts on. I wasn't without pants. I just had shorts on. And I thought, it's a little cool. <laughs> so I um, hope you're enjoying the cool weather the way that everybody else is uh, around the state of Mississippi today. Hey, Roger, plenty of coffee in the thermos, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Well, I happen to know. I, I knew you were going to say that before you even said it. <clears throat> I knew you were going to say that before you even said it. Um, so your weekend went well? Yeah, pretty well. Just watched a lot of TV and was lazy because I had a big weekend last weekend. We have a festival yeah. that we do every year. Yeah. So you were recouping sort of? Yeah. Yeah. I probably need to recuperate from my recuperating. <laughs> it's so funny you say that. Roger, look, you know, state was open this or had an open date this weekend, didn't play. So, you know, I got to be a fan, sit on the couch, and just watch a bunch of games, which I did. Pretty much, uh, not all day Saturday, but for most of the day Saturday. Everything for me Saturday revolved around that Auburn-Florida game because it was the one really good game, really good matchup, ranked teams, <clears throat> you know, a lot of excitement. And, and the game did not disappoint. That was not a pretty 
game. It wasn't this really clean and you know back and forth. It was there was a lot of ugliness you you might say in a game and turnovers and that kind of stuff. But it was incredibly fun to watch. So it didn't disappoint. So for as bad as all the 11 a.m. games were Saturday, the 2:30 between Florida and Auburn really made up for it in my mind. So that was fun. And then look, sort of the same thing again yesterday. Yeah, I sat there and I watched a bunch of NFL football yesterday. Watched the Saints win and watched, for the most part, the Cowboys uh, uh, their game. But I watched baseball too. See, so the Braves were playing in this important one-run, really, you know, pitchers' duel game three of their five-game series against the Cardinals to try to advance into the National League Championship Series. It's in St. Louis. Adam Wainwright was outstanding for the Cardinals. He held the Braves scoreless through. What was he out there? Seven and two thirds. He was just so good. He didn't even throw hard. They could not, you know, you know, scratch, find a base hit. It didn't seem like he was so good. And they get into the bullpen, and the Braves just pulled off a little magic trick in the ninth inning. Um, Mississippian Billy Hamilton was the pinch runner they put out there on second base after Josh uh, Donaldson got the hit for you to get on base there in the ninth inning. They they pinch run Billy Hamilton, Mississippi kid from Taylorsville. So he scored the tying run on Dansby Swanson's double to the wall. It was so exciting. And and so I, I kind of that that middle slot yesterday in the, of NFL games, I didn't see as much of Cowboys Packers because I was mostly watching Braves and Cardinals, but flipping back and forth. And honestly, that was one of those deals where it was like whatever it was, uh, it was 24 to nothing or 24 to three or something like that at halftime for the Packers is a blowout. I'm like, that's an uninteresting game, a whole lot of boring in that game. And then it turned out to be an interesting game because the Cowboys started coming back in the uh, um, in the second half and did make it make it interesting. Had a chance to get it down to what? Had, had a chance to get it down to a touchdown, and then we we're going to try an onside kick, but then they missed the field goal at the end. And last night, it was just a big old disappointing deal for the Chiefs. And I, I didn't stay up for all of it. I can't. I got to go to sleep. Bedtime's bedtime, regardless of what's on TV. I could not stay up for the whole Chiefs game. But when I went to bed, it looked like the Chiefs were, you know, yeah, I mean, it was kind of, I guess, tied, close game at that time. But still, it looks like the Chiefs were the better team, and somehow the Colts win it. And um, so it was a whole lot of watching football for two solid days. And, Roger, you said it. You feel like you need to recuperate from your recuperating. And that's the way I felt this morning. I got up, and I'm – my back's hurting and stiff, and I thought, well, it's only hurting and stiff because I sat on my butt all weekend and did nothing. <laughs> so, what was your go-to snack? You, do you have anything that's like a routine that you have to have, like some people, Rotel or yeah, whatever? Yeah, No, I don't have a, a go-to uh, snack, have, no. You don't sit around and snack and watch. Yeah, I do. not an excuse to binge out. Right. No, I, I do snack watching all the games, but I don't have like a go-to, like a thing that I plan or it's, I'm going to have this every time, you know. Maybe. You've got that great uh, chicken dip recipe you haven't <laughs> shared with me yet. Though. Yeah, I, sh- I need to get that recipe for you, <laughs> don't you? I did drink a lot of coffee, like I am right now, in my uh, mug here from High Point Roasters in New Albany. He sent me another batch. He sent me some more. And and that, that um, blend of coffee that I couldn't pronounce, uh, Roger, the pronunciation is Viennese. Oh, I can see where that might be a little intimidating. Yeah, Viennese. I figured being up in New Albany, he would have something like the Bankhead blend. Yeah, Bankhead blend. Well, they do have the New Albany blend. And then he has one that I'm actually 
going through a bag of it right now. It's called the Dr. Ellis blend. And I just, I need to find out who Dr. Ellis is. I have no idea. You like his coffee? <laughs> I like his coffee. Whoever he is, whoever Dr. Ellis is, I like his coffee. So, all right. Yeah, good beans. Good beans. Okay. So let's jump in here. And let me give you some info so that you can be a part of the show. We're going to react to the weekend. I'm going to give you a few thoughts after watching all this football. And then we'll do a little baseball too. And it's going to be fun because in hour number two of this show today, I have John Cohen, the athletics director of Mississippi State. He's coming on the show, but we're not talking about necessarily just state or whatever. We're really going to talk baseball. I want to bounce baseball questions off of John Cohen. Anybody who's heard him do analysis for the state games on the radio when he just jumps in the booth, you know, as a former coach, former player, it's incredibly interesting to listen to him. And so with um, the baseball playoffs and the postseason in full swing, I want to bounce a couple of questions off of him. So that should be fun. So don't fret. Kevin, who's tweeting me over here, says, hey, is it 3.05 Eastern time yet? Hashtag chop on. <laughs> I know. I can't wait to watch the game. Wait a minute. You said 3.05 Eastern. I thought it was 4 Eastern, 3 Central. Do I have that wrong, Kevin, for Braves Cardinals today? See, now I'm skipping all over my screen here, and, I, and I'm leaving where I was. Yeah, you're right. Dog, gone, you're right. As soon as my show goes off the air today, five minutes later, they're going to throw out first pitch of what could be a clinching game. So it is 2 o'clock Central, or 2.05 Central, 3.05 Eastern for Braves Cardinals. Game four, and it'll be televised on CBS. All right, enough skipping around. Let's do football. What did you think and what did you learn watching football this weekend, namely college football? What did you learn? Hit me up and let me know. You can uh, call me on the Divini Equipment phone line. Divini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. Here is the number, 995-1059. If you're watching online, see it? Right there it is. Yeah. 601-995-1059. So give me a shout. If you uh, want to text, that's great. Get the text line open. I'll make sure we get it pulled up. It is 885-ESPN. It's also a 601 number when you text it, okay? So 601-885-ESPN. Text away. And I just might read it on the air. We'll do that. And then uh, you can tweet me as well, just like Kevin did. It's at Radio Wyatt. So send your tweets there, and those might make the air. Uh, as well. Lots of different ways to communicate today. So give me a call. I'd love to hear your voice on a reaction Monday. All right. First up, let's look at the SEC. Now, this is not a surprise that Georgia goes into Tennessee and wins that game 43-14 to back on Saturday night. That is not a surprise. But what was a surprise is that Tennessee hung in there with them for a little while. Now, I don't think anybody did, you know, predicted that or saw that coming. I know I didn't see it coming. They did make a, a quarterback change, Tennessee did, and played their freshman instead of Jarrett Garantano. And the kid, uh, Brian Maurer, started the game on fire, right? Had a couple of early um, touchdown strikes, one in the first quarter, one in the second quarter. And at one point, don't quote me on this, right, but at one point they had a 14-10 to 10 lead. Isn't that right? Yeah, I think that's right. I think Tennessee actually went up in the second quarter of that game. And then and then Georgia turned it on and kind of ran away. Uh, 43 to 14 the final. But, you know, as as I looked at that, what I saw was 
Yes, they eventually got blown out in the game. But this kid Maurer goes in, he throws a bomb touchdown to start him off. 7-0. <clears throat> Comes back, leads him on a drive, throws another touchdown in the end zone. Obviously, it's kind of redundant there, touchdown in the end zone. But throws another touchdown. Finished today 14 of 28 for 259 yards. He did throw an interception in the ball game. Garantano got in the game, did not throw it well at all when he got in the game. <clears throat> so I think what you saw, Mississippi State, is a kid who's going to play quarterback against you this coming Saturday in Knoxville when we go up there for an 11 a.m. game up on Rocky Talk. Uh, Brian Maurer, 14 of 28. So he's right at 50% on the day, 259 yards, two TDs, uh, one interception. Fromm was really good. He completed almost everything he threw. This, you know, I know it's Tennessee. This really was Jake Fromm's best ball game. Yeah, Tennessee went up. 14 to 10. <clears throat> Gave up a field goal, held a 14-3 lead. So they were in it. They were in that game. So I guess what I'm pointing to is state fans, uh, it's a Tennessee team that even though they got blown out, they showed themselves some things in the early part of the game. Uh, you know, they're going to have some hope. They're going to have some hope and belief, I think, uh, for Tennessee when state goes rolling in there on Saturday. This is not going to be a – a beaten down, don, uh, downtrodden, uh, hopeless bunch that you're going to face. I, I don't think that's what you're walking into. I think what you're walking into is a, a team that's probably going to um, have some juice to them in their home stadium for an 11 a.m. game. So it'll be a challenge for State. But State should win the game. I know I saw their favorite on the road. I mentioned Jake Fromm. He was 24 of 29. 288 yards and two touchdowns. By far his best game throwing a ball this year was against Tennessee. LSU had no trouble with Utah State. Man, isn't that one of those games? You, I just watched it and I could tell how brutally hot it was in Baton Rouge. <laughs> just looking at it on TV. And they kind of slopped around a little bit. Uh, and Roger, I'm coming to Chris and Eric here in about 30 seconds. Um, Troy went to Missouri. Missouri had no trouble. They did get a scare, though. Missouri... Had their quarterback, Kelly Bryant, leave the game with an injury. We hear today, though, that he is going to come back and will be able to play this weekend against Ole Miss. So Ole Miss fans, you, what they're saying is you are going to face Kelly Bryant, but their best player on defense, their linebacker, or one of the best linebackers, is out. They lost one key starter on defense for this game. So uh, I think Missouri's favored, but you know we'll see if Ole Miss is able to make it interesting. Where's the game? The game's in Missouri, I think. And then you have the Ole Miss game, 31-6 over Vanderbilt. And what I came out of that was, again, look, Ole Miss is 3-3. Three and three. They are halfway to bowl eligibility. I know. But they're 2-1 and one in the SEC. And, you know, they really beat Arkansas and Vanderbilt like a drum. They really did. So what I came away from that is Ole Miss is well coached. They are. With what they have and the limitations that they have, they are well coached, and they did this the other night with a true freshman backup quarterback. And when you look, you know, coming into the year, Ole Miss was supposed to be in that bottom tier with Arkansas and Vanderbilt. But the way they've beaten those two teams, they've shown you that they are not in the same bottom tier as Vanderbilt and Arkansas. Arkansas and Vandy are pretty bad football teams, but Ole Miss has put it on them the way you're supposed to, and they're def they're definitely better on defense also. So I thought it was a nice win for Ole Miss and. A big day running the ball for John Rice Plumley. 22 carries, 165 yards, and a touchdown. That's a quick glimpse at the SEC. Here we go to the phone. Divinity Equipment phone line. Chris, what's up? 
on a Monday. Hope How you you're doing, doing well. I'm good. What's up? I, I am. I'm still salting in my loss yesterday. I can't believe it. I just like it. It back in them. They didn't even. They didn't even shoot themselves in the foot. They lobbed a hand grenade and blew both feet off. <laughs> that was just. That was awful. Yeah. Did you even get? But did you get to when you were flipping back and forth? Did you get to see that mugging on our on, on Michael Gallup? Wait, they didn't call PI. Okay, on? that's one that I did miss, and everybody's talked about that because didn't they call for a review? Did they review it or call for a review of that? No, 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 no. No, that was earlier in the game, and that one was a coin flip. I wouldn't. Okay. I don't know why Garrett challenged that one. But the one that I'm talking about, Matt, he he pulled his head down like three times in in the middle of the route. Okay. He mugged him. It was worse. It was worse than the New Orleans game. Mm-hmm. I mean that that was the worst pi I've ever seen in my life, and not called, and then the guy get the interception. I just I don't know. I mean, I wanted to ask you. I called Bo earlier. I wanted to ask you, what in the world does the NFL have to do to get? any kind of accountability to these people that are calling these games. I mean, are the players going to have to just say, hey, look, we're not going to play until y'all start doing something about this when it comes up to that point. I mean, are we going to see a strike because of referees? Because, I mean, is it really going to take that to get the attention of them? Yeah. Or is it going to take fans saying, or is it going to take fans saying, you know what, for for a weekend we're not going to watch because we're tired of these officials and the ratings just plummet through the bottom. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. And, hey, I really hope they don't play all tree at Tennessee. I'm sorry. Everybody, all you state fans are going to get mad at me. We do not need to play Lee Altry at Tennessee because these guys can't run to save their life, and we're going to need him against Ole Miss. You need to play Lee Altry's last two games. You need to be Texas A&M and Ole Miss. Mm. Do okay. not need him in this game. We need our defensive backs. And I think Tennessee's the Miami Dolphins of the SEC. They're going to play you really hard for the first half, and then they're going to, once you get on top of them and start beating on them, they're going to lay down and just let you have it. And a lot of that has to do with, and I agree with you, a lot of that has to do with, I heard what Jeremy Pruitt said the other day uh, on SEC Nation before the game started, and he said that they have three seniors starting uh, six total, three on offense, three on defense, and that's really tough to have that many young guys, which would lead you to that'd give you a clue as to why they have a hard time finishing the games. Chris, good call and start me off today. I appreciate hey, it. Hey, chop on, yeah, chop man. on, chop on, and and see ya, see ya, chop on at two o'clock, man. Can wrap it up, move on, and try their luck against the Dodgers. Dodgers look like they have control of that other NLDS, but still a ways to go in that one. Yeah, um, lots made about. Um, you know, the, the lack of offense for the Cowboys the last two weeks. They played good teams. They do have to play better. There's no doubt about it. But something something about the Cowboys offense just looks out of sync. And and you know, it's hard to put your finger on it, but um something's out of sync. There's several guys out of sync. And I keep hearing about how their offensive line for the Cowboys is the best in the NFL. Well, find me the tape where they've looked like it against a good team. All right, Eric. Hanging on. What's up, Eric? Hey, how you doing? Enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, have have a what if question for you. If Alabama and LSU, if they were to meet today mm. on neutral ground, yeah, what's your take? <laughs> it's a high scoring game. 
which is totally opposite of what we used to look for 10 years ago every year when Alabama and LSU played. We want, we looked for a 10 to 3 game every year because the defenses were so good. I think this year both offenses would put up big numbers on the opposite defense. Um, I would expect one of these 28-27 type shootouts, to be honest with you. What do you think, Eric? I still give the edge to Bama. Yeah, I would too, Light because edge. like I said last week, um, you know, the, the, the question was Alabama, LSU, and Auburn in the West, and I said, well, just give me, ultimately, at the end of the day, give me Nick Saban versus Ed Ogeron. Give me Nick Saban versus Gus Malzahn. Nick Saban will figure it out. And, and you know, I would stick with that. But I think because of LSU's offensive resurgence, uh, we could at least have a fun game this go-round. But, yeah, I would probably pick Alabama to win also. I sure would. Yeah, One final question. Um, do you think the last two performances by Dak sort of were just – Bargaining power for for this huge contract. Yeah, Eric. Um, I think you don't earn you know a big, long extension, multi million dollar contract in one year, and you don't play yourself out of it in one year either. I mean, they're going to sign him. I think waiting at the end of the year is best for everybody. It's best for Dak. Keep that motivation on your shoulder throughout the year, but they're going to sign him eventually. Uh, whether or not they make him the highest paid, I don't I don't know, and people make too big a deal out of that. He's going to be their quarterback for a long time in the future, and they're going to win a bunch of games. But, um, okay. yeah, I don't, thank you for the call. I don't think last week or this week put a big dent in it, to be honest with you. Y'all stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast service, friendly service. That's what you get at Farm Bureau. Hey, Roger, two things just for you. Okay. Well, one's just for you, and then one's for you and everybody else. Okay, so there you go. So the thing just for you, I sent it to you on the text line. My mother, who is listening online, she may be actually watching on Facebook, sent me the picture of the recipe. See it? Yeah. And she sent me with the caption, for Roger, dot, 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 and you. (laughs) So now you have a go-to on those game days. That's it. There it is. Okay, so it's uh, my mother's recipe that she has here. Chicken ranch dip. Two chicken breasts. Dry minced onions, one package of cream cheese, half a jar of ranch dip, approximately eight ounces. So I guess you could make your own if you wanted to. Yeah. Shredded cheese, a whole package of that, cheddar, cheddar jack, and real bacon bits. Don't give me that, you know, hard as a rock, crunchy stuff that leaves an aftertaste for the next 48 hours off the salad bar. Now, we mean real bacon bits. So fry some bacon and crumble it up. That's it. And you cook the chicken with onions in water. Until done, there's a miss. There's a typo there, but my mother sent a tip. She has substituted chicken broth for the water. 
Yeah, that gets more flavor. Uh huh. So you save that and the onions, combine the cream cheese and ranch dip, mix it up. She says, I strain out the onions from the broth and add them to the mix. Stir in the cut up chicken, half a package of the cheese into the mix mixer. Mixture, easy for me to say. Save the other half, put on top. Anyway, there it is, Roger. You got it. All that stuff, bacon, cheese, mix it up, put it in the oven, 350 for about 30 minutes, and eat until your little heart is content. <laughs> Thanks, Mama. <clears throat> All right. There's the diet. There he goes. This is the other thing that's for you and everybody else. My friend John Pitts, who is the sports editor of the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, Y'all need to follow him on Twitter if you don't already. Um, he had an answer to this on Twitter. Somebody had tweeted the question, without telling your age, what is something you're, from your childhood that kids today wouldn't know about? Without telling your age, what is something from your childhood that, that kids today wouldn't know about? And John's answer was party lines. Oh, yeah. So, Roger, explain to us what a party line was. Remember, we, we actually have covered this. Uh, uh-huh. Those back in the, the day, a community would have one incoming line, and you would know it was for you if you had a different ring. Uh, yeah, ring, ring, yeah. You know, long ring. You know. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and of course, somebody was always, there was always somebody who was in some everybody's business because you could hear them be breathing on the phone mm-hmm. while you're talking. So, yeah. Yeah, party line. Party lines. Yeah. Um, Somebody tweeted black and white in. TV. True, yeah, black and white TV. True Maroon tweeted in said, "Getting whipped <laughs> for That's you mess up. It's just bad but true." You know, you'd go to school and your buddies would say, "Man, my dad whipped me last night." Oh yeah, was it a good one? Yeah, he got me. He got me. And then two days later, you'd come in and say, "Hey, I got whipped last night." <laughs> my dad made me go pick the switch. Mm-hmm. Go pick out a good one, Bobby. <laughs> That's it. Tenfold on the rabbit ears. Yeah, we've been through that before, so y'all can participate that. I'm sure that'll make the rounds today on Twitter. Okay, so the text line at 885-ESPN. Somebody, unnamed texter, uh, sent in, is it Dansby Swanson or Danson Swansby? He said, great win by the Braves over the Cardinals in the ninth inning, but the announcer called him Swansby. I wonder which one that was. All right, so here's the scene, Roger. Listen to this. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, I'm all into this baseball game. It's the ninth inning. My wife had stepped out and run a couple of errands, so she's back now at home. It's the ninth inning. And Donaldson, with either no outs or one out, I can't remember now off the top of my head, Josh Donaldson for the Braves gets a base hit, gets himself in scoring position, represents the tying run. They pinch run for him with the fastest guy in Major League Baseball, Billy Hamilton. He's on second base. So I get up out of my seat, and now I'm standing – in front of the television, about three to four feet away from the TV, right in front of it. And up comes uh, Brian McCann to bat, and they intentionally walk him and put him on first base in order to pitch to Dansby Swanson, the shortstop for the Atlanta Braves, the former Vanderbilt Commodore. It's a tense moment. It's a ninth inning. It's a one-to-nothing ball game. It's a tying run on second. Now the go-ahead run on first base you need to win this game to go up two to one in the series. Dansby Swanson is who they want to pitch to. It's kind of a you know a little bit of a well, we'd rather pitch to you than the other guy thing. So now you go up there with a chip on your shoulder, and the first pitch he sees 
the first pitch he sees against the closer for the Cardinals, he slaps it off the wall in left field. And swats it in the air to left field. That ball is hit well. Ozuna looks up, and that's down off the wall. Hamilton scores the tying run. It's a double for Dansby Swanson. All even at one in St. Louis. Wow. What a moment for Swanson. Dansby Swanson. So when he made contact with that baseball, (laughs) Roger, I'm standing three to four feet in front of the television. My wife is some things that she's gone and purchased is bringing them in the house. She is now walking back, about to come right in front of me to go into the garage, and the moment that she gets right beside me and steps right in front of me, and I'm looking over her head at the television, she's right in front of me when Dansby Swanson made contact with that baseball. And I did this. I went, he did it! (laughs) I clapped my hands. You scared her to death. Really loud. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm talking about, and I got you know those great big huge hands, and so when I really clap them, like you can hear it miles away, like pow! I what the hell clap. What are you them. doing, banana hands? <laughs> I clap my hands and go, he did it. And when I did that, she was, I didn't even realize she had stepped right in front of me, and she gasped for air. She went, <gasps> and then goes, oh my gosh, what are you doing? What are you, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I continue to cheer. Go! Come on, tie ball game! Woo! <laughs> and she then tells me, she gets a little angry because it scared her, uh, it scared the daylights out of her. <laughs> She's having to burn off that adrenaline you just popped into her. <laughs> exactly. <the> bloodstream. So <laughs> she's a little perturbed at me. And then proceeds to tell me that I have gone way overboard in rooting for this baseball game. (laughs) And I just felt so bad because my daughter sitting on the couch, she saw the whole thing. She can't figure out why in the world would daddy make this noise right in mommy's ear. She walked right in front of me. And I'm, I'm oblivious to anything going on except what's on that TV screen. And when he made contact, I did. Boom. He did it. And poor Annabeth just was in the wrong place. At the wrong time. So he doubles. Uh, he moved uh, McCann over to third base. Represent the go-ahead run. Swanson's on second, and they next guy up. Duvall, who was a big hero for him the other night in Atlanta, became Martinez a hero. Deals, and that one's driven into center field. Bader coming in, can't get it. It's down. One run is in. Ortega, here comes Swanson. He will score. And Adam Duvall strikes again. It was just an incredible ball game. It really was. It's been an incredible series. When you look at all three games, the way they've gone, it's been great. You shouldn't expect anything less here in game four. The Braves can wrap up this NLDS and move on to the National League Championship Series with a win today, but they'll face former Diamond Dog Dakota Hudson on the mound for the Cardinals. Hard to root against that guy. All right, just getting started with you on a Monday in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.
In the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, I'm Matt. Matt Wyatt. The LSU-Florida game is already sold out in Baton Rouge this weekend. It just popped up on Twitter. If you want to go to Baton Rouge and watch Florida and LSU play, you, you're you going to have to find someone who's already bought a ticket and somehow get it from them because they are saying that the game is already sold out, as you would expect, and college game day is going to be there and Man, it's How long going has it been to be since LSU sold out the stadium, I wonder? Well, that's a really good question. You know, it's so big. And, Roger, you know, like, the first reaction is, well, I'm sure they have. Then you start thinking about it. Well, I don't know. That's a good question. But they are super pumped about football, as, and you know, for good reason. They're at LSU this year and hosting Florida this weekend. And college game day is going to be there. And. My goodness, it's going to be a huge game. Florida coming off that win over Auburn this past weekend. Tebow's going to be over there? No, T- he's on the SEC. SEC yeah, yeah, that's right. He's on the SEC show. That's right. I get him confused too, Roger. Uh, I can't. It's all the same thing. <laughs> I will say they all get silly. I, I don't under – you know, it makes me wonder. As I, I did it this past weekend, sitting at home, I watched – not a lot. I'm not big into the pregame shows, but my wife really loves them. Annabeth loves to watch College Game Day. She loves to watch SEC Nation. I'll watch a little bit of it here and there. You do learn a little bit about the hosting school. It's interesting. You do, you know, and you see their fans and stuff. That's neat, kind of gets you in the mood. But then, you know, these shows, Roger, it's like they get bored with their content. And I think that it happened with College Game Day there for a while where they got away from just doing football, which is what made the show popular. It's these guys sitting there for two hours talking football, previewing games and showing me interviews with coaches. And there for a period of time, College Game Day tried to do all kinds of other stupid crap that nobody really wanted to see. They just thought it was real cute. We're going to have some quarterback guru sitting up there, and then we're going to have this little thing about cooking. And we're going to have this little – well, nobody cares about it. That's not why we're watching it. Well. ESPN cleaned house. We got new management up there. They cleaned house, and Roger, guess what? They've backed off on a lot of that stuff on College Game Day. Have you noticed? It's yeah. kind of back to the format that made it popular there in the 90s. Keep the main thing, the main thing. That's exactly right. Well, frankly, now it's the SEC Network's turn. Apparently, they've gotten bored with their content and are doing all kinds of stupid crap. And, that, and the Marty, what is his name? Marty Smith, I think. Uh, Marty something. He's really good at everything that he does, but they are trying way too hard to make him into this kind of caricature type thing on the show. And they did it with Feinbaum for a while. But they do all this goofy crap outside of, like this past week, I caught one segment where they put a Tennessee jersey on him. And this little skinny white guy is on here doing a segment showing how he's like recreating, catching some Hail Mary. Well, nobody on God's green earth has tuned in to this show to see that kind of stuff. We tuned in to hear and see Tim Tebow and Marcus Spears and Paul Feinbaum talking about our team, or at least the team we may play or know about. That's what we want. So they're just tired of their content. I don't know why people do that. But what it said to me is, I thought, on any show, big or small, Roger, it's probably a lesson to, to really try your best to keep 
attuned to what it is people are listening to you for, right? Right. Like if I get a little bored one day with talking college football, I need to remember this ain't about me. The reason Trust we're me, the, the texters will remind you. Well, they will, thank goodness, <laughs> and they should. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's, I need to remember they're listening because today they probably want to hear college football. I may be bored with it, but it doesn't mean my listeners are bored with it. So I just think it was a, a so reminder. Bryce is ready to talk college football. All right, let's do it right now. Bryce on the Divinity Equipment phone line. What's up, Bryce? Hey, Matt. How's it going, man? Just right. Thanks for calling. Well, look, before I jump into that, I'll echo what you just said there. You know, with SEC Nation and, and what Game Day used to do, which was just focus on sports, was exactly what we were looking for as the consumer. Um, you know, it's my one place to go each week that I don't have to worry about hearing politics or anything else. I can focus on sports. And now that they've, they've, they've kind of done away with that or they've gone and done stuff that makes absolutely no sense, it, it's lost its luster. So I, I agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Um Hey, so my question, you know, I, the only game I really got to watch this weekend was the Georgia-Tennessee game, and, and mainly because obviously I'm a state fan and I'm looking forward to the game next weekend, and or this weekend, excuse me. And, and one of the things that I noticed that Tennessee seemed to do that, I, you know, I'm, I'm curious how the state stopped. They have some really tall athletic wide receivers, and it just seems to me this year on our defensive front, you know, cornerback play, safety, free safety has, uh, has been exposed, and how do you match up against somebody that, you know, maybe three or four inches taller than you, got you by a couple pounds, and you know, what's the best way to scheme against that? Because that, that seems to be how Tennessee was able to move the ball on Georgia early on. I just want to get your take on that. Yeah, good. it's a good uh, insight, good observation. You know, the first thing I would say, Bryce, is not to poo-poo the idea at all, but pretty much everybody, once you get into the SEC part of your schedule from top to bottom, pretty much everybody's going to throw receivers at you that are all really good and some bigger than others, but everybody. You know, like you look at the kid at Ole Miss, uh, he's in terms of explosive after the catch, he's as good as anybody. Nobody really talking about him. So there's good receivers that you're going to face. You know, this weekend at Tennessee, nothing like what you're going to be up against when you host LSU. You know, LSU is going to have a whole different level of talent they're throwing at you. But to address what you say, you know, this is a game, and I think after the Auburn experience as well, where State's going to have to do a better job when they get into man-to-man coverage responsibilities. And they're going to do it a bunch because in I think in order to play true freshman corners, which they have two, Jones and uh, Emerson, who they're really high on, that are very athletic, and athletically and everything strength-wise, they're ready to play now. They're just learning a lot of stuff. They're seeing a whole lot of new looks and tweaks and tricks every time they get on the field. Auburn picked on them. Is One way you get around that is you don't have them thinking. You just call man-to-man stuff where, hey, that's your guy. Just cover him wherever he goes. You know, Don't get confused. Just cover that guy. So Tennessee is going to have a game plan with their receivers, and in their pass game when – they see freshmen out there, Jarian Jones and Martin Emerson, because State is going to play them. That's when they're going to start switching up and doing some formational stuff to try to get those freshman corners confused on who they're covering. They're going to bunch the formation because it hurt them a little bit against Auburn. So Tennessee will try to replicate that. But it's up to State to have coached out of that with an open date to kind of you know get them through 
get them over some of those things, get better each week. I don't think there's any kind of physical advantage for Tennessee, um, especially when you know you, you get Dancer on the field and Smitherman on one side. You got older guys who are really good. So, but but uh, they showed that they're going to have some confidence in taking a shot or two. They did it against Georgia, so they're going to do it against State. So Bryce, I think uh, that's a good observation. Say what? I think one other one other spot I'd add on to that, and, and again, it seemed like when Georgia had a, a real manhandle on it was, and again, I think you can say this with any freshman quarterback, is the more pressure you can apply, no doubt, uh, the quicker they have to make that d- determination. And, you know, again, not knowing who's starting for us this weekend, uh, but, it, you know, if it's a freshman-to-freshman matchup, you know, i got to like Trader just because he's had more experience. And, uh, you know, God love him, the kid's been hit a couple times. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think you can you start to rattle that cage a little bit, and then all of a sudden you see exactly what we hope to see. They make a mistake, and the defense can capitalize on it. So, um, you know, not being a night game, I don't know if they're going to have 108,000 people there uh, for an 11 o'clock kickoff, so maybe that's in State's favor. But right. uh, I, I know as a State fan, I'm getting sick, of, sick and tired of 11 o'clock games. Yeah, I know. I think – and they announced today that LSU has got three possibilities – and 11 a.m. is one of them, 2.30 is the other, and 5 o'clock is the other uh, for that LSU home game. we got to wait one more week to find out what it is. Appreciate the call, Bryce. Thank yeah. you for listening. Thanks, uh, man. I, thank you. Yep. I agree with you. Um, this Tennessee-Mississippi State game, whichever team gets consistent pressure with their defensive line, that's the one that's going to win this game. There's no question that will be a huge part of it. State's got to get pressure on the opposing quarterback to win this game. Uh, on the text line, 885-ESPN, he says, what does it say? Y'all are an ESPN radio show and talk about the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Every now and then I bring up the Hallmark Channel, don't I? That's just, happy wife, happy life. It's such a part of my life. It sure is. Now, you know, there's a little semantic in there. I mean, semantics. He says y'all are an ESPN radio show. Well, We're an affiliate. Yeah, I mean, the station is an ESPN affiliate. I don't think they claim us, though. But that's what I was going to say, Roger, <laughs> is I ain't got nothing to do with ESPN. They don't pay me a dime. They don't care about me, and I don't care about them. <laughs> now, I'm happy that there are other times in the day where you may hear ESPN programming, but while I'm on the air, I don't give a flip about ESPN. At, at the height of uh, of ESPN's bad programming decisions one weekend i tuned in to hear a discussion of um of gender identification in sports and it was just a very long discussion about that yeah yeah boy that's what that's the stuff people want isn't it and how unfair it was two ladies and they're arguing about why how unfair it is that women's teams have to have men's coaches men as coaches it was just banal yeah, yeah. Woke radio, man. That's what it was. That's a good way. Brian says it on Twitter. Defensive line has to get pressure in Knoxville, no doubt about it. All right, hour one in the books. Man, that flew by. Let's do hour two, and we'll start off baseball with John Cohen. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.